everybody, welcome to a special bowl game edition of Breaking Down the Doors. Joe Rex Road, Adam Sparks here. We're talking Vanderbilt. We're talking Baylor. Unfortunately, Adam, we are not talking Jalen Hurd. He will not get a chance to avenge a loss to Vanderbilt in his last game with the Vols, although I don't believe he played in that game, but he was still... No, actually... Let me let me you know what? I just realized this. He was he was already off the team by then, wasn't he? Yeah, Jalen Hurd is two and zero against Vandy. Jalen Hurd doesn't have anything to avenge. Yeah, that's so right. So Vanderbilt will not get a chance to avenge Jalen Hurd. If you wanted to look at it that way. But it is too bad that Jalen Hurd won't play in this game because he's had a, a terrific year as a receiver for Baylor. He I, I thought it was <clears throat> interesting that he switched positions. He had a really good year. He's injured now for the game. We'll see how he does in the NFL. But it is to me, Adam a really, I think, good game for Vanderbilt. I think it's good to get out of the region. I think it's good to have your own TV slot. You know, if there's anybody watching football that day, this is the game they're watching. It's a primetime game in Houston at NFL Stadium. And I think I think that's a really nice outcome for Vanderbilt compared to some of the alternatives. And, I, uh, you know, I think the atmosphere of it is it's going to feel like a road game. There's not going to be a lot of Vandy fans there. There'll be plenty of Baylor fans. Uh, and I think Vandy is fine. to They're, they're equipped to handle that. I mean, obviously, that you know, you play tough places on the road in the SEC. But home games, it's not like they have an overwhelming advantage of who's in the stands. So, I don't think that's going to shock them uh, at all playing uh, with a mostly Baylor crowd. You know, I, I mean, I, different times when you go to bowls, they mean different things. Sometimes the goal is to get the absolute best bowl that you can, to get a good matchup, to get a, a destination where your fans can travel to. I think for this one, it needs to be a win. I think that's that, that's not always the first goal. I think it should be here. Vandy 6-6. Six and six. They this is their second bowl in three years, but when they went to a bowl last time, they lost to NC State, got shellacked in that game, didn't have a chance to win it, and uh, so Derek Mason was six and seven that year. He didn't have a winning record yet. D- Vandy doesn't have a winning record since the James Franklin days. They need a winning record. They need a win. They need to end it here with a win. And Baylor is a beatable team. People think of Baylor as two or three years ago and Art Briles and all that, and they're going to put up a lot of points and crazy offense and all that. That's not really the Baylor team. This is Matt versus Matt Rules Baylor. That's right. Which is a different different offense to some extent. Uh, they're going to run the ball a little bit more. Really, really good quarterback Charlie Brewer. He can run it, throw it, mostly throw it. But this is a ball control offense. Baylor leads the Big Twelve in time of possession. They're one of the the leaders in the country in, in first downs. They have a lot of 10, 12 play drives. So this is not a team that's going to come out and try to score in two minutes. Uh, so you know, I mean, it's it's. It's not going to look necessarily like an SEC offense, but it's not going to look alien to Vandy. It's not going to look like one of these Big 12 offenses that's going to try to throw for 500 yards on you. Well, and it makes sense to be that way if you're Baylor. Of course, Matt Rule, as you said, I mean, Art Browse, a disaster of that program and the way it ended, and you're talking complete rebuild for Matt Rule, who, of course, as Temple's coach, beat Derek Mason and Vanderbilt a few years ago, but... I mean, I think time of possession, it's almost like it's out of necessity right now, right? I mean, maybe things will change as, as they move forward, but you need to keep the ball away from those other Big 12 offenses to give yourself a chance. They did have some high-scoring games. They got into some shootouts. Everybody in the Big 12 gets into shootouts. They also had some you know, high-scoring defensive games. What do we know about Baylor's defense? They're, they're kind of middle of the pack in terms of yards given up and all that. And again, like you mentioned, it's hard to gauge the defense when you're playing Big 12 competition because you can give up a lot of yards and a lot of points and still be sound defensively. They only have nine takeaways, nine takeaways in 12 games, so they don't force a lot of turnovers. 
corners. They get decent pressure, but not great. They're not phenomenal in anything on the defensive side. I, I think this is one of those where Vandy can win this game defensively. If you can get some third down stops, if you can, again, keep uh, – uh, maybe cut down some of those longer drives on the offense. Vandy's offense, I think, is better than Baylor's offense. If Vandy's defense plays to the to the level that it can, that it has in in some of their games, their SEC games this year, I think the defense can win this game. You give Kyle Shermer more drives, more time, more more opportunities. Keyshawn Vaughn's healthy. Then I think Vandy's got a, just got a better offense. Vandy can outscore Baylor. Well, and I think for people who haven't watched Vanderbilt this year, I, again, another reason I like this for Vanderbilt is I think people are going to tune in on that night and say, wow, look at – I mean, Vanderbilt's got some guys. Look, who's this Jared Pinckney guy? Keyshawn Vaughn, Kalijah Lipscomb, and, of course, Kyle Shermer. I, I think you can get easily lost in the SEC – you know, the, the teams you're playing week in and week out. I mean, this is an opportunity for Vanderbilt to kind of show off a little bit. You know, this is this is what we've got. Another interesting thing, Adam, Derek Mason was on the SEC Network and, and was talking about the NC State blot from a couple of years ago. And I'm paraphrasing, but he almost made it sound like they were too hung up on scheming for that game. And he he basically said, like, some of the fundamentals kind of eroded during the time between the end of the regular season, the win over the Tennessee, and that game. So maybe a little bit of a different approach. I mean, all coaches, these bowl practices are very valuable for your future, which is every coach emphasizes that. You can get those young players out there and give them a chance to run your offense and run your defense, not just be like scout teamers, but... Also seems like maybe the approach will be different, a little bit maybe focused on self more yeah, than you get, last you, time. You get 15 bowl practices, and, and Derek didn't put a number on it, but I would guess maybe the first 10 will be without game planning for Baylor. He, he tended to say first week, week and a half or so, it's going to be, like you said, all fundamentals. It's going to be uh, blocking, tackling, and just making sure what they do well, that they do well. And, you know, th- that's fine. I mean, you know, you can game plan for Baylor in a week, just just like you game plan for, for other teams throughout the season. It's, it's a game week. It'll probably be a game week plus a couple of days. But, I, you know, I think eight to ten practices will be done without really looking at Baylor. That That's part of it. Also, that NC State game, I remember there was a sense of uh, – that that Vandy was just perfectly happy with going to the bowl game. And you see that a lot of times with players that haven't been before. Hey, we made a bowl game. That's that's it. That's our accomplishment. I think there's more of a sense, starting at the top with the quarterback, the senior quarterback, the sense that you need to win this one. It's, it's, it's a failure if you go and you lose. So I think you'll get that out of the – out of the older players, uh, starting with Shermer. You know, Derek Mason said he thinks the, the advantage in these bowl games are almost always on the offense. And I think reading between the lines, I think he's looking at it saying, we need to go put up 30-plus points in this game because, you know, like we said, they have the offense to do it. They have the players to do it. And Baylor's got good players. But, I mean, Jalen Hurd, aside from all the UT Vandy stuff, all the, all the things that people care about Jalen Hurd locally – he was their best receiver. Yeah, you take him out of the equation, and yeah. that hurts them, I mean, no doubt about it. For people that, people that still remember Jalen Hurd as a really good running back at UT and here locally at Beach, um, he was on the Bolitnikoff uh, award list. I'm a voter on that. You probably are too. And he was on the list of, of candidates for that. He's nearly a 1,000-yard uh, receiver this year. Yeah, you take him out. That's a good possession guy. Um, they have another one, uh, Denzel Mims, is a pretty good receiver. But 
you're down one guy, and they don't have a tremendous running game. Charlie Brewer, their quarterback, can run it fairly well, mostly goal line stuff. Uh, but their leading rusher out of the backfield has maybe 500-plus yards. So you, you're not going in necessarily uh, saying there's a whole lot of playmakers, just, I mean, singular guys that you've got to shut down. It's more of a of a team dynamic. Keyshawn Vaughn is better a better running back than Baylor has. Kyle Shermer's a better quarterback than Charlie Brewer. Jared Pinkney's better than anybody Baylor has. Kalijah Lipscomb, you know, was probably around the same caliber as Jalen Hurd, and they don't have Jalen Hurd. So Vandy's offensive playmakers are better than Baylor. So I think we both agree that Vanderbilt should win this game. Not not going away, but it's a really good opportunity. Now, you mentioned some of those key players, which brings me to my next question for you. When it's all said and done, Adam, who will be leaving Vanderbilt early for the NFL? I guess I'm asking for a prediction because you don't know for sure. Well, we already know Kalaja Lipscomb's coming back. He's announced that. I think Jared Pinckney's got to go, and I think he will go. I think this is is me speculating, but I think he came into the season thinking this is my year to to get drafted. Um, So I think he goes. His stock will probably never be higher. He'll have a new quarterback next year. So I think Jared Pinckney goes. Jawan Williams, I'm leaning towards him going. Yeah, um, I think that's a lot. You know, Derek Mason brought in agents and those sort of things during the bye week earlier in the year, and had had those guys talk to them, and they're still waiting on some draft grades to come back. I think with Jawan Williams, that's most important because he has to figure out if he's a very good fit for some defenses. Seattle Seahawks is an obvious one, but there are others where they want big, long, six foot three, physical corners, which is what he is. Other teams will usually just pass those guys by because they won't coverage guys. So he has to figure out what his value is and how many teams really, really want that type of corner. I think he probably leaves. Keyshawn Vaughn, I think he comes back. Really? We pr- I think we probably disagree on that, right? Well, I, I always look at, just especially because of the position, running back, I, I just feel like if you are attractive to the NFL as a running back, the 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 career span for running back of course it's the shortest of any position in the NFL I think it's hard to pass it up and I do think he's good enough I think he's a guy who can go in the NFL and help somebody right now but but I don't you know I, you could also make the case well next year imagine his numbers I just d- does that matter so much do the numbers help you that much or does the year of wear and tear is that something that you know is is not worth the risk when you talk about injury and all that? I, it's it's an interesting situation with him because of course he, he missed some time this year and also he he didn't get used as much early in the year as he probably should have been. The but. wear and tear can be a pro and a con for him. I feel like the wear and tear could be a negative because you know get into the league and start getting paid for your carries on the flip side of that. I think some scouts can look at it and say when he started getting volume carries he would get injured and it wasn't concussions usually it was it was a shoulder it was a rib it was different things so I think some scouts whether fairly or not are going to look at it and say is he durable and so that could hurt him some scouts may say I'd like to see him go a full season with 200 300 carries or whatever and see that he remains healthy and that that, is it and if you're a player that's you don't want to hear that because it's like I can't assure anyone that I'm going to be healthy next year and if I'm getting the ball that much then I'm taking a lot of hits but it is a you know it's a guy that has 10 carries and leaves with an injury and then another and then 
He gets 20 carries, and he's great. In the next game, he gets eight carries, and he's injured. Again, I'm not saying that's that's necessarily fair, but if you're looking at running back A or running back B in the fifth round, you take all of those things into account, including whether or not he can pass block. And I know we disagree about that, how much value there is on that. But it's, it's you know, again, if you're looking at back A and back B, well, back A can't be on the field on third down because he can't block. Back B can. I think that could make a difference. Maybe not much of a difference because if you love the guy, you love the guy, and you'll draft him wherever. Yeah, and you can co- you feel like you can coach him up. But, yeah. yeah. So I mean, if if I was him, and I don't know all of his family situation or a little bit of it, but if I was him, I would probably lean towards leaving. I, it just really depends on what what he's being told is best for him. So when we know isn't leaving, well, I shouldn't say that. Someone we know isn't leaving for Colorado is Derek Mason. Um, Mel Tucker, Georgia defensive coordinator, got that job. It, he was mentioned as a candidate. You talked to him about it. I tweeted out your story and said, like, you know, hey, he should listen, of course. And and then I was called a rumor mongerer <laughs> on Twitter. Uh, but, uh, I mean, some people get sensitive. Fans get sensitive about that stuff, which is interesting because, of course, there's some Vanderbilt fans who this year have said they wanted Derek to go anywhere else. But right. now I think more people like him again. That's what happened. You know, you beat Tennessee again, you get to the ball. It's like, okay, he, he's pretty good. Do you think that there are other opportunities that could pop up? And how do you think he looks at his place at Vanderbilt right well, now? Well, I mean, as we're recording this, one hasn't popped up. It, it, it could in the next week or so. Although that window starts to close a little bit more now because of the early signing day. I mean, it's it's a funny game that coaches have to play because you want to make sure your current employer knows that you want to be there, but then you also have to remind your current employer that other people would like to employ you. I mean, you know, there's, there's, there's a, a good flirtation you can make, I think, with places or just with the media about places to show that you're coveted. And I, I, again, this is this is for me. This is not from Derek Mason, but I think Derek did a little bit of that. I think it was. Let me just remind everybody that there is some value to me, and I would in his situation too. He's got what three years left on his contract after this season. Um, he's a new AD is coming in. Who knows what his uh, his relationship is with with the Chancellor Nick Zeppos. So you know, if he's got a little leverage, use it. We've talked about that before. The thing is, a lot of people look at, at coaches at Vanderbilt it, clo- closely. It's, well, you need to win seven, eight games. You need to do these sort of things. James Franklin did it. You need to do it. Other other places look at the Vandy head coach and say, wow, that guy got to six and six at Vanderbilt in the SEC. And then you look how he did it. And what well, he's... He developed uh, an NFL quarterback and an NFL running back, and he recruited these guys. These are three-star guys, and they're going to be high draft picks. Well, and especially if you know the specifics of yeah. Vanderbilt's you know, financial support for football. I yeah. mean, it's and so, tough, you know, tough you, job. You project that and say, if he won six there, I bet he can win eight or nine here. And maybe that's true, maybe that's not. But, uh, you know, there's we've talked about it before, that there's a fine line at Vanderbilt between – you know, four and eight, you're terrible. Six and six, you're really good. And that's five and seven, you're not so good. Six and six, you're good. You know, it's just these little things. Uh, and in the SEC, if you can win enough, you can show that you have some value. And he, he has some. I do believe him when he says he really wants to be at Vandy. 
He loves the makeup of the high academic type school. He was at Stanford before. He he likes those type of student athletes. I think he 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 has a niche there of recruiting those type of guys. Derek is a really really smart, thoughtful guy. So I think he likes smart, thoughtful players that he can connect with. So I think he wants to be in that type of place, and that type of place is at Vandy. Um, he just needs to win enough to stay there. And six is, is pretty good right now. I'll go back to the bowl. Seven and six looks a lot better than six and seven. Yeah, no, I agree. And, and you know, and you, you have some momentum. And you, look, next year is, again, some of this does hinge on some of those NFL decisions. But it's it's a rebuilding year to some extent with a tough schedule with a new athletic director. So the mo- the more momentum and positivity – you can build up before you dig into that, I think the better. So it's a really important month for this program and this coach and these players. And we will be there in Houston, Adam and I, for the Texas Bowl. Is Tell me the full name. Is it just the Texas? It's not just the Texas no, Bowl. No, it's the Academy Sports and Outdoors Texas I'm Bowl. so impressed with you. The yeah. Academy, that's like, very it's, good. It's, it's when you type it, it's Academy Sports plus Outdoors. And I that's thought, right. it's the plus sign. Is there really a plus? And then I'm driving by the Academy uh, yesterday in, in Mount Juliet near my home, and I thought, there is a there plus. There is a plus. I've never noticed the plus. <laughs> so so if, if for whatever reason, if that was the whole reason that they, uh, that they were sponsors, that I would know the plus was there. They succeeded. <laughs> Very good. So that's it. That will be December 27th in Houston. We'll be there. NRG Stadium should be really interesting. Thanks for listening, everyone. We'll talk to you next time on Breaking Down the Doors. 